Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. As I was contemplating the Christmas season and the series of, of different messages that I knew that God was laying on my heart, one of the things that I, I, it occurred to me was something very important, and that is, is, you know, collectively as a church, as a church body, not a building or an organization, but collectively as a body, the, the members of his body, sons and daughters of our wonderful Savior, we have a tremendous gift to give to the world. Many gifts, actually. Many gifts that we can give in sharing. Now, obviously, you're going to say, well, of course, the birth of Christ and Jesus is that gift. Well, he, he gave that gift to the world himself. We're just sharing it. But we have some incredible gifts that we can share with the world. And 2022 is going to be a tremendous year of breakout for Abundant Life. I saw the response to our Connect Group fair last week. And the number of people signed up anxious and excited to get out there and be a part of these groups and bring guests in and continue that process. It's becoming a part of the culture of our church. Thank you, Sister Amanda Meyer, for the tremendous dedication to that and taking on that spirit and feeling the need to do that. Thank you very much. Sister Kylie kicked off her grief share life group getting things started, getting people in, getting the ground broken. This ground is turned over. The soil is turned over, Sister Kylie. And God is gonna bless that effort and we're gonna put that out into our community as one of our life groups to share with people who are hurting and desperately needing someone to talk to and share with, dealing with death and loss. We've, we've turned the soil over. The seeds are into the ground now. 2022 is gonna be a year of miracles. You know that we saw miracles this year? It's not that exciting for this group, apparently. I'm going to go ahead and go talk to this other church that I have over here. You know that 2021 was full of miracles already. Tremendous miracles that God did in our lives. I mentioned with the leadership group this morning, I said, folks, do you remember? Do you recall? I, I, I lifted up to you the name of a young lady named Haley Chetney. She's 30 years old on a ventilator in Tennessee. She's, and I mentioned this on Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago. She was, they, the, the family was being told, let her go, pull the plug. Why are you doing this to her? It's gone, there's no hope. She's walking and talking today off of the ventilators. She's in re rehabilitation. She's living today because her family said, no, we serve a greater God who can do greater things. The medical community had given up hope on her, but we did not give up hope. This church laid out prayers for her. Brother and sister Clink's daughter, Nikki. She's alive today. She's off the ventilator. She's in rehab. They told her, they told them there was very little hope. Numbers were crashing. Things were falling. Whatever the terminology that they use. But she's with us today. There have been people healed. Hearts have been mended. Amen. Come on. Depressions have been lifted. Bonds have been broken. 2021 saw miracles and we're barely aware of them. We're barely just kind of letting them slide under the door. I want to jump up and down and shout. And I want to yell. And I want to tell the world. I want to tell this community that God is doing miracles in abundant life. That amazing things are about to happen in this awesome church body that we're a part of. 
we've got a lot of gifts to give. We have a lot of gifts to give. We, were, we did our Christmas Eve on Friday, or our Christmas giving and all that stuff on Friday. We got our buddy together, and some of you saw all our posts, and we've talked lots about the fun things we do. But I thought about this as I was finishing up my message, and I always title my message last before anything. I just take the thoughts, the, impre- the, 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 the things that God lays on my heart, and I begin to put my notes together and study and put all that together, and I've got series and things that I put together, but I do the title last. And so I was preparing to highlight my notes and put them on this gizmo over here. And, uh, and I thought about Friday night, and so we were all doing our gift exchanges and, and, and all of that fun stuff, and it's so fun. It's so wonderful to give gifts, isn't it? Does it make you feel great? We overindulge every year. I can't help myself. I have an awesome family. I have a wonderful family. My children are phenomenal. They're so great and so have excellent hearts and are wonderful people and they do great things that many of you will never know about. And so we overindulge and we give and we spend too much. Who cares? It's money. As long as I gave God his first, right? Amen. I don't care about money. So... But I thought about this collection of gifts, and of course you get the first gift, right? The first gift's the most exciting, and so you tear open your paper and you figure out what's in there. And I got my, one of my all-time favorite gifts this year, new socks. Yes! Right? Devon's like, he's all over it. Fresh pairs of socks. It's wonderful. And um, then I thought about... Over the collection of the gifts, you sort of have your favorite gift, your greatest gift, right? What's the big one in there? What's your, what's your greatest gift? And I want to tell you that my first gift was socks, but my greatest gift, my greatest, you want to hear this? Was my family was all in the room together with me having a blast. We had such a great time. We made, many of you saw that we did crazy Cajun Creole Christmas and uh, made all homemade, everything's homemade every year. And we just had a blast in the kitchen, tearing everything up, making a mess and cooking and having all kinds of fun. That was my greatest gift. So this morning I, I sat, or last night, I sat down, I, oh, I haven't titled my message yet. So I sat down, I got into my notes and into this thing and figured it out. And uh, it's, it's not Apple-based, so there's a, God is still with me. And uh, I put my title on there. I wanna share it with you this morning. The first gift and the greatest gift. The first gift and the greatest gift. So the first gift is, is, or excuse me, the greatest gift is easy. I said that a moment ago. The greatest gift that this entire world has ever had is the birth of Christ. When God decided to robe himself in flesh and come and be a propitiation, the Bible says, a propitiation for our sins, a replacement, uh, taking on of our sins. He said, I, I need to, it says in the book of Hebrews, he actually made a choice. If you read in Hebrews chapter 11, he made a choice. There was a point where it says that, that God essentially had to make a decision. It said he took not on him the nature of angels, but decided instead to take on the nature of man. Why? So he could be that great high priest that could suffer as we did, yet without sin, but he could understand, and I think Brother Kyle said it this morning, that he could understand what we experience and what we feel. I need to connect with my creation at a level that I've never connected before. 
The Bible says that he spoke directly with, with Moses face to face, right? He told, that to, he told that to Aaron and Miriam at one point when he said, yeah, I'll deal with prophets and dreams and other things, but Moses I talked to face to face. That was the closest that they'd ever experienced, and even that was, a, was an, uh, an unreal, unearthly experience, right? That was a weird deal. But he came, his gift to the world was to robe himself in flesh and deal with the things that we deal with and experience the pains and the sorrows and the joys and the anguish and the excitement and all of those things that we deal with, including temptation, including the flesh's desire for sin. Yet he did not sin, but he knew. And he knows today exactly what it feels like. He knows today. He knows what it feels like when you lose a loved one, Sister Kylie, for your group. Jesus knows because he stood at the grave of his great friend and wept at the loss because his flesh felt the pain and the anguish and the sorrow of losing a loved one. Probably our greatest pain that we can experience except for our own demise, correct? He knew and he understands and he understands today. His greatest gift, the greatest gift of all was that he robed himself in flesh and came to be our savior, our Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Amen? So we know what the greatest gift is. But I want to start you into the word because this story started actually before Mary and Joseph in the virgin birth. It started actually with two people that the Bible says were righteous before God. One was Zacharias, who was a priest in the house. He was a priest. You're a royal priesthood, amen? And his wife was of the lineage of the daughters of Aaron, who was a priest in the house. So guess what? These were two people who were already God's people, if you want to put it that way, right? So let's go to Luke chapter 1. I'll take you through very quickly. That was a joke. Luke chapter one, starting at verse five. I'm gonna skip through this a little bit. I I believe I'm kind of preaching to the choir here today. It's great to see Kim here this morning. This morning, Kim, welcome back to the house this morning. She got her car back. Another great miracle. She got her car back in the form of a gift of a Christmas present. For those of you who don't know, Kim's car was stolen. If you haven't met Kim yet, by the way, you should meet her. She is a wonderful lady. She's been with our ladies' events, and, and she's been uh, attending a Bible study with me. But she, her car was stolen a couple of months ago, and it was trashed out. And they found someone, a really wonderful person apparently, did all the work to repair it. And her parents snuck it in and gave it to her as a Christmas gift yesterday. So God is looking out for you, Kim. Amen. So I'm preaching to the choir, you know the story, but I want to take you into a few scriptures here. Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 5, it says, There was, in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. This is significant. They were very, very good people. They were godly people. They were walking before the Lord blameless. In other words, they were working hard to live life without sin, honorable to God. And it says in verse 7, they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they both were now well stricken in years. They were old. 
So what happens between there is that an angel appears to Zacharias. He's in the temple and he's doing a really, really significant thing. He's the incense guy. And if you get into that whole thing, it's, it, you, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. This is a significant because Zacharias' role in the temple is so critical. And I talk about this all the time. The opportunities that these guys had. Very few people in all of Israel and all of creation ever got to be as close to God and in the temple as we get to be standing in this place raising our hands and worshiping God and so Zacharias by virtue of a lot that's cast amongst the priest got to go into the house that day and burn incense and there's a whole lot of stuff that goes along with it there's messages galore that you can preach from that but it was a special thing and and Zacharias honored it so much and an angel appears unto him says Zacharias you're going to have a child and and his name's going to be named John which is really odd because that's not of his family's name and so forth and he deals with this you guys know the story John doubts him and he's stricken dumb and he says you're not going to speak again until the the child's born and all that stuff happens but he begins to describe what this John is going to do and he says in verse 15 for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost if you think the only people that are ever filled with the Holy Ghost started on Acts chapter 2, you're incorrect. Even from his mother's womb, it says. Verse 16, it says, and in many children, excuse me, many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. There's our first little secret, our first little tip, I should say. Many of the children of Israel, in other words, their people, shall he turn to the Lord our God. John's got a gift that he's bringing to his people, the people of Israel. Verse 17 says, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts. Okay, there's another turn. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Wow. This guy's bringing something special. Now, if you know what it says, if you understand what it says there about his way, being in the way of Elias, the Bible says that John wore camel's hair and that he lived in the woods and he was kind of a wild man. Well, if you understand the reflection of Elijah, that is, Elijah was said to be a hairy man and he lived in the woods and he ate weird stuff. It literally, this is a type and shadow of Elijah, the power of Elijah, excuse me, Isaiah. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Elijah, I'm getting myself goofed up, sorry. Elijah. And, and so it's a reflection of that. So just as much as John the Baptist is the Elijah of the time, Jesus is the Moses of the time. These are direct reflections. The ones that bring the word, the ones that bring the method of salvation, the ones that bring the precursor message, and that was Elijah. And so that's why it says in, in, in the New Testament, it calls him Isaiah, is just basically uh, um, Elijah in the, in the uh, Aramaic. In verse 77, if you jump all the way down to 77, it goes on to talk about why this John is coming, why that his wife Elizabeth is being uh, given this great gift that that she's going to bear this son, she's barren and she's old. And he's explaining in verse 77 further, and he says, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by what? By the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. That's a beautiful, poetic way of speaking of Jesus. In verse 79, he goes on to say, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death 
to guide our feet into the way of peace. This first gift that John came to lay, the foundation, the first gift, the first key to the whole redemption message that's about to come through Emmanuel is repentance. He's about to bring a gift to the world called repentance, the key that opens the door to all of the rest. It's a gift that we get to share, we get to teach, and we get to minister. You see, the first gift comes before the greatest gift. The first gift is most important. It's the most exciting. It's the one that begins to open the door to all of the rest. Amen? Amen. He's gonna give knowledge of salvation. This is a gift that we can give to the world, that we can turn around and begin to share what salvation really is. You know, there's a lot of versions of what the world has turned and defined and turned into salvation. And I've told you, I'll stand at this pulpit till my dying breath and define what true salvation scripturally really is. And it is not a gesture, it's not an acknowledgement in your mind, it's not a simple thought, but there is a process to salvation. There is a form to salvation and it started with John the Baptist. In the world's terms, it would have stopped with John the Baptist. Amen? But it did not. It goes on there, it says again, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. We're looking at a world, we deal every day with a world that's dealing with darkness. We've talked, I've talked about this recently, talking about our mission. They're sitting in the darkness and dealing with, with just an ultimate death that's on its way. They may not realize it, they may not recognize it. Every, every funeral I've ever been to, every person that's there, no matter how they live their lives and what they did throughout the course of their lives, they're going to heaven. According to the world's philosophy, there's some pretty awful people there. We have to define these things. And it's a gift that we can give to the world. Is it a gift that we give with bravado and pride? Do we walk around with our heads up in the sky and our noses in the air with God in our back pocket and share these things in a way that's condemning? Of course not. And I don't believe anybody in this room ever does that, would ever do that. But there is a tendency for the world to have that perception. Well, you go to church, you think you're something. You got God in your back pocket. You holy rulers, you're self-righteous and all of those types of things. The world loves to say those things. So what's our mission? Our mission is to get out there and show them something that's completely different. Our mission is to get out there and show someone who's saying, look, I've got something awesome to share for you. I've got a hope to share. I want to cast some light on the darkness that they're sitting in. Let me tell you a testimony. Let me tell you some awesome stories about a young lady whose family was being told to pull her off the plug and she's walking and talking today because God did a miracle in her life. The devil... And the world following him cannot and will not successfully refute the testimony of God's power coming through your lips. That's the miracle that's going to happen in this place in 2022. Your words are going to carry. Your testimony is going to carry. People's hearts will begin to change because of the anointed words that you share with them. It's coming this coming year. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? All right. You got to believe you got to believe. Is Jesus Christ living in your heart? Yes. Then the miracle is coming from what you're about to say. 
and what you're about to share and what we're about to do through things like Grief Share and through our connect groups? Do you believe that in your words, in your testimony, in the gift that you're prepared to give, how many of it, come on now, on, on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, it doesn't matter which day that you're doing, how many are excited for the gift opening part? Come on, you're adults. I don't care how old you are. How many are excited for that part? I wanted to see my kids open up those gifts. I couldn't wait. Do we have the same expectation and the same joy in our hearts and the same kind of a feeling like I can't wait to tear those gifts open? I can't wait to hand somebody the message and watch them open it up and go, wow, there's hope in here. Wow, I can't have something. Wow, religion isn't just some terrible judgmental thing. There's really wonderful, sweet people that I can be friends with. There's really a community out there that'll embrace me and pray for me and love me. Wow, it's really in here. Woo! Come on, folks. Are we excited for the day we start opening up the gifts? I'm just getting wound up. He says in that part of verse 79, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Boy, oh boy. You want to know how powerful a gift of peace is to give to somebody? People are in utter and total chaos in their lives. Things are going wrong all of the time and they're struggling through the, the, the struggle of life, dealing with it on their own, not knowing the answers. And so what they do is they begin to take stabs at things. And a lot of times they're making mistakes or they're making the wrong decision and they double down on the problem. Any of you been there? Any of you ever gone through that process? See, they're trying to do it all with what's up here. And those of you that know and have been there, you know that you stop doing that and you turn it to God and you give it to God and say, okay, I'm done. I don't know what to do, Lord. And he presents the solution for you. Come on, how many of you been there? Yes, yes. I know personal stories of people I'm looking at right now that have been there. And have turned it over to God. We're giving a message of peace. What a gift for them to tear open. I want to wrap up peace into the coolest looking package and sit down with my friend and just scoot it across the table and go. <laughs> and wait for him to tear it open and say, there's peace in here. My mind, my mind can finally calm. There's hope. There's peace in this box. Cordell, you've given me a wonderful gift. You've shown me that God can give me peace. You've shown me a great gift. I'm telling you right now, bless you. I'm telling you right now, folks, people crave it. They want peace so badly. And they're not getting it in their giant 75-inch screen TVs. They're not getting it in their Xboxes. They're not getting it through Facebook. They're not getting it on their phone with their friends and their computers. That's not where it's coming from. That's futile. But John, the angel told Zacharias that he, he's going to bear a son that's going to bring peace. It's going to guide their feet into the way of peace. You know, a lot of people feel that repentance is mostly about feelings. It's just a, just a, a rush of feelings and it's just this important thing. You know, just feeling sorry for your sin or, or feeling bad about it. 
And we can share and we can talk to people what true repentance is. See, you use the word repentance and immediately there's negative connotation that goes with it. People assume judgmentalism and all of these different things. But if we truly understand it and, and sort of freshen our minds to what repentance is, then we can get a hold of it and go, yeah, this really is a great gift. This isn't just like, you know, buying your, your, your wife a vacuum cleaner on Christmas Eve. You know, you think that's a great gift, but... I did not do that. That was merely an example. I, that, I did not do that. Of course, it's important and it's wonderful to feel sorry about your sin. But to truly repent, as you know, it's, it's not a feelings word. It's an action word. Some people believe that, that you can't get to God except through feelings, or except through repentance, excuse me. That's not true. Repentance is not a gigantic blockade that keeps you from God. But what repentance is, is is a way to get to be with him. It's a way to come to him. It doesn't doesn't describe something that we have to do before we come to him, is what I'm trying to say. It, It describes coming to him. Does that make sense? He's there, he's with you. If you had a giant blockade between you and God, you'd never hear the call. That person, when you're sharing the word, wouldn't hear anything. There'd be a separation between them and God. So we can't look at it like, you can't be God, you can't be with all of us here, you have to sit out in the parking lot. We're the repented people. First you repent, and then you're allowed in the building. That's not how this works. God, God loves them. God loves them. God so loved the world. Come on. But it's a way to draw together with God. That's what repentance is about. Okay, see how you can, that's a better wrapping and a bow on the thing than I just put on there, right? Then repent and then you can come to God. That's a box with just round wrapper on it. You see what I'm saying? It's how you wrap the gift sometimes that, makes a difference whether it's received or not, isn't it? It is entirely accurate to say that repentance is the first word of all of the gospel. People think of the gospel, we call it the good news, right? We call it the great message. But I believe that repentance is the first word. It's the first meaningful word of all of the gospel. Repent was the first word of John the Baptist's ministry. That's what he came. That's the gift that he brought. Matthew 3 and 2, it says it there. It says, and this is John saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's a direct correlation there. Now, I didn't say that repentance wasn't the way to the kingdom. I said it, you can't say that it holds people back from God. It will hold them back from the kingdom. When Peter in the book of Matthew chapter 16, was given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Remember that? He wasn't given the keys for people to access God. He was given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And when did he express those keys? When did he preach those keys? When did he give us the usage of those keys? It was in Acts chapter two, when he stood up and said, repent, key number one. Be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins, key number two, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. See, so he kind of had the keys hanging on the belt there and then took them out when it was time. Repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is a key. 
Repent was the first word of Jesus' gospel. Look at Matthew 4 and 17. See if it pops up. There it is. From that time, it says, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He repeated the words of John. There's a significant message there. And so the gift, as we're giving that gift, we can help them understand there's, there's good things inside that box. This isn't a negative thing. It's not a judgment, an attack. It's not a, a declaration of the failure of your life. This is a pathway. There's something here that's so important. Not only is it going to bring peace, it's going to remit those sins. It's going it's to speak to your heart to let all of that go and refresh your mind and bring that peace. But that gift, there's something else down in the bottom of the box. There's a, there's a little set of keys attached to it. Mark 1 and 15, he says it again, and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Come on, you've heard these. Repent was the first word in the preaching ministry of the 12 disciples. Mark 6 and 12, they said, and they went out and preached that men should repent. They, the disciples, went out and preached that men should repent. It was the first word. It was the first gift. Repent was the first word in the preaching instructions Jesus gave to his disciples after his resurrection. You can find it in Luke 24. Look at verse 46. It says, And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among where? All nations, but beginning at Jerusalem. What is our task for 2022? What is our goal for 2022? We're going to preach Christ crucified. We're going to go to all the nations and we're going to preach repentance. We're going to get it in there. Not as a judgment, not as a, well, first thing you got to do is you got to repent. We've got to say it with joy. We've got to be like that family on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day when you're getting ready to pass out the gifts and you're super excited. I can't wait to tell them about the first gift. It's so excited. I want to sit and watch them open it up. You've got to have that excitement and that enthusiasm because I tell you what, if you take repentance and you sort of wrap it in newspaper and kick it under the door, Say, check that out first, and then we'll talk more about God. It's not going to be received well. You can't serve up a porterhouse on a garbage can lid. I ain't going to eat it. See what I'm saying? You can share this joy. You can share this amazing gift with people. Come on. Repent was the first word of exhortation in the first Christian sermon at 238. You know that? Repent was the first word in the mouth of the Apostle Paul. Look at Acts chapter 26 and 20. He says, But showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles. That what? That they should repent and turn to God and do works, meet for repentance. You know what he meant by that? To keep walking, to avoid falling back into the sins that you were in before Paul taught that message to you. It's a little side part of the repentance message. By the way, don't go back. See, because repentance just isn't a feeling, like I said earlier. It's not just a, it's not just a, a, a notion or a one-time gig. Repentance is a life that we walk. Amen. And we've got to share that. Wow, that sounds terrible. Do you wear sackcloth and ashes too? Do you walk around just with your head hanging low? God, forgive me, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. We have a great joy. 
in a savior that said, you were baptized in my name. You, you went under the blood of the water and all those sins are captured in there. And guess what? 70 times seven in a day, I'm willing to forgive you. Now I've never asked God that I know of 449 times, please forgive me, but it's there and it's available because of the blood of the water. We put it underneath there and that's the next step. That's the next key. Amen. Doing works meet for repentance. We've got to make sure, though, we we present it for what it really is. And this point is so critical, so I want you to tune in a little bit. I'm having a little fun today. It's the Christmas weekend. But I want you to really tune into this. John's main message wasn't you're a sinner or, or you need to repent. John's main message was the Messiah's coming. Remember? He came to prepare the way of the Lord. And he said, prepare ye the way of the Lord. So the message of repentance isn't to dwell on the repentance. That part is to be absorbed and taken on, become part of who you are. It should be part of your DNA. But we don't linger there, do we? We don't hang there, no. And the message was that the Messiah, the King, is coming. Which is our message, right? Amen. The call to repentance was the response to the news that the king and his kingdom were coming. It's right there in the word. Repentance is not a sentence or a judgment. The call to repentance is a gift. It's a direction and a path in my book. Repentance is not a curse or a punishment or a rebuke. Repentance is a chain breaker. It's a bond buster. It's a key that opens prison doors. You see, are you getting that image in your mind? You see how much more easier it's gonna be to wrap it up and put a nice bow on it and smile real big and hand it to that person? It's a chain breaker. See, when you're looking at those people that don't know God, that don't really know God, when you're, when you're embracing them and engaging them and talking with them and sharing and living life with them, but you're dealing with that person, do you understand that you're looking at a person who's in a prison? Oh, but Brother Cordell, some of these people, they're wealthy beyond. Oh, they've got all, everything they need. They're so full of all of their wealth. But trust me, they're in a prison. Repentance is not an accusation. It's a liberation. Come on. Repentance is a gift. It's a weapon we can use against the enemy. As I just said, because of the blood that Jesus shed... You're freed from that. The Bible says there's therefore now no condemnation for those who walk in Jesus Christ. Rob, this is a weapon that you can use of the enemy. Rob, do you ever sin, by the way? You don't have to tell me any of them, but has it ever happened in your life since you've been a Christian? You understand that the enemy is standing right by, and he's waiting for you to make a mistake. He's waiting for all of you to make a mistake. So that as soon as you sin and you fall and you make your mistake, he can stand there and he can condemn you. But the weapon of repentance that you have is that you went down in the waters of baptism. Your sins are under the blood, the Bible says. And so the weapon that you have against the enemy is that when he begins to condemn you and say, oh, you did it, you're wrong, you can't preach the gospel, you can't tell people about the word, you're a sinner, you're cursed. That weapon that you pull out and say, no, devil, my sins are under the blood. Jesus, I'm asking your forgiveness right now. I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have said that. Lord, I love you, please forgive me. Gone. The sin is gone because it's under the blood. We do not live a life under condemnation. We live a life of victory because the sins are under the blood. And that's what repentance got you. 
Hebrews chapter 10 says it like this. Starting at verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. You walk in here upright with confidence, not pride, but with confidence. By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say his flesh. You know that when Jesus died on the cross, that big, giant, thick veil that hung in the temple, that blocked the entire world away from the presence of God, that thing that was so thick and 60 feet tall and heavy, when Jesus died on the cross, he was the sacrificial lamb, he was the repentance for the world. When he died on the cross, that thing tore from top to bottom and was flown open. Jesus' flesh became that veil and it died on Calvary. Verse 21 says, And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That sprinkled from an evil conscience means that repentance. The blood of the sacrificial animal is over us and the sin is gone. In Israel, it was just pushed forward for a year. For us, it's gone under the baptism forever. It is wiped clean. Everything that you've ever done that is under that blood again and again and again is washed away forever. It's wiped from the memory of God. You do not live in condemnation. You live in victory. What an amazing gift to share with the world. The first gift we get to give. You know somebody who's living in condemnation. You know someone who's lived and made mistakes and has done bad things in their lives and they're one of those people that say, I can't go into church, the building will fall down on top of me. Oh, I've been, I can't, God doesn't want me. Come on, folks, we got a gift to give. Every day, we have access to that amazing first gift. Every day. 449 times, I bet God doesn't stop forgiving there. While sin brings us back down and the enemy tries to use it as a condemnation, we have God's grace to free us. What a weapon that you can give. I don't know if anybody in here ever gives guns or things like that away on Christmas, but I've given my kids crossbows, and, but this is a great weapon to give. Amen? All right, I'm closing up this morning. I think I made my point. I want you to know this, though. Before I close, and you can stand with me. The Bible says that sin is what separates us from God. You know that God does not travel away from you. He doesn't move away from you. When we do sin, when we make mistakes, it's what separates us from God. And I want you to know, and I want you to package up in your gift, that no matter how far, you could be a billion miles away from God. You could feel like God is so far away and eternity wouldn't bring him back. But in a second, in a nanosecond, in a moment, in a word of repentance, God's right there. He's waiting. He's waiting for it. We make our mistakes and we kind of turn away. We fall, we have our struggle times, we get down in our cave and sin has separated us from God. Just like that, he's there with you again. 
on a word of repentance. What an incredible gift to share with the world, amen? Let's dedicate 2022 to the miracles that are about to happen and the gifts that we get to give and the things that we get to enjoy. Preaching, teaching, Bible studies, reaching out through our connect groups and all of those wonderful things. Let's dedicate 2022 to wrapping up this amazing gift that we have to give, not only to the people out there, but my final word and thought, give it to yourself too. Give it to yourself too. It's a wonderful gift. It's an incredible thing that God has given us. And dare I say, it's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. This altar is open this morning. I love and appreciate you, church. I am so excited for what is about to happen and break loose in 2022. We are going to see more miracles, more people saved at this altar, more baptisms, more successes in our outreach groups than we've ever seen before. Amen? Thank you for being with us. Thank you for being here today. Love and appreciate you all. God bless. This altar is open this morning. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.